0: Welcome to Secure Podcast. I hope you can all feel my soul radiating through these frequencies. See you all on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me on another episode. Today we're going to be hearing from Esther Rosales. Esther Rosales is an incredible woman. She happens to also be a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is located in the city of Montebello and she provides um, single couples and family therapy. So if you're interested, make sure that you look her up and set an appointment with her. You will not regret it. Now let's talk about why we are here. Esther Rosales specializes in amongst other topics, love and relationships. And she also hosts some workshops within the community that I happen to attend this time around. One of which is called the Mujer series. It's put on by Amigas for My Soul and facilitated by Esther. It has been one of many experiences that I've had this year that have formed a part of my self-development and spiritual understanding of where it is that I am headed. And I'd recommend it, highly recommend it to anybody out there who's also looking for the same or something similar. In addition to that, we are also going to be hearing her short story, Love, Lust, and Baseball. Which is really ironic, because this story was sent to me a few months back and she asked if it would be something that I would like to share on the podcast. Of course it would be. As life would have it, I got busy, we lost touch for a few weeks, and then I reached back out to her ready to do this podcast episode and she invited me to the Mujer series. Well, all in all, at the very end of this Mujer series, I ended up in a new relationship with an incredible man who is now my boyfriend. And lo and behold, he loves baseball too. So I am beyond excited to share this with all of you because not only is it a story about romance, it's a story about growth. It's a story about passion and it's a story about reflection. So I hope that you all enjoy this as much as I have and you find something in there that reflects back to you a message that you have been needing to hear today. My exposure to baseball has always been influenced by the men I have liked, loved, and even lusted over. I started as an avid Angels fan. My ex-husband had an eye for the good things in life, and I enjoyed the luxury of a beautiful stadium and prime seats. We didn't talk about the game, mostly because it bored me. I enjoyed the atmosphere, the drinks, and the sun during the games. And I especially loved the occasional firework show after a night game. The years passed, and though the luxuries continued, the love faded. We went to fewer games than I wanted, and it was always a, we can go next weekend thing. Eventually, the marriage deteriorated, and given that I was born into a family of Dodger fans, I no longer had an affiliation with Angels in Red. The first time I sported a Dodger blue baseball cap, I was seated next to a man who, although far from offering me any luxuries or real love, entangled me in a lustful relationship the passion of which easily replaced the comforts and beauty of luxury seats at the Angel Stadium. The excitement of the fans, the crowds, the energy, and the passion experienced before and after each game paved the way towards my becoming a Dodgers fan. We didn't talk much during the games. Unlike me, he grew up playing the game and was paying attention, while my attention was lost in his gestures and affection towards me. The roller coaster of the lustful relationship came to a halt, despite his having introduced me to a new playing field, and I loved it. The years passed, and so continued my dates to various baseball fields. Finally, I met the man who introduced me to the game of baseball, not just going to games. He taught me the history of the LA Dodgers. As my appreciation grew for the team, its history, and the culture of Dodger baseball, I fell in love. I was no longer a cute girl out on a date. My whole existence as a pseudo baseball fan was transforming and all of a sudden, those slow, long, boring games weren't long enough for me. We not only enjoyed the games and the drives to and from the park, but he took the time to teach me about something that he was so passionate about. I will never forget that I fell in love with a true Dodger fan while sitting on the field after a Friday night game while sparks from both heart and the fireworks were in the air. Going to baseball games with him was more than being on a date. It was an experience to be lived. He had me falling in love with him a little more after each game. like how did you end up in that and so so much expertise in that so I know that you just mentioned that you were volunteering for vets before so it sounds like you went through a whole process of course right so if you can just give me the like the specialties the that you did before <laughs> that led you up to where you are now
1: the specialties so I started with teens first I started as a counselor with the YWCA in Pedro, and it was and it was actually a program that I had been a teen at And at that time, before I started my graduate program, there was, we had gone camping, and there was a young girl, I think maybe 12 or 13, who after a fire, you know, one of those um, bonfires, she's like, Esther, I need to talk to you. And mind you, we hadn't even talked about anything, like, personal, but she chose me, and, and so she went on to just basically her uncle was abusing her. And I knew this family personally, you know, I, I'm from San Pedro. I work in San Pedro. Like we all, you know, it's a close knit community. And I was like, oh my, what do I do? I'd never been exposed to this before. And I took it back to my director. We had to make a report. And then it came out that it wasn't just her. It was also her younger sister. And it had been going on for years. And that was, it was such a big thing for me because I was able to impact someone without even knowing. And after that, that's where my path really started, and then I worked for Harbor UCLA. I did a contract for them, and I had a mentor who was in med school, and she was like, what are you doing here? I was like, what do you mean? I'm training you all on presentations. (laughs) Yes, and she's like, no, Esther, you don't need to be a, you know, project coordinator. You need to do something else. What do you like to do? And I was like, everything but I didn't know what she was asking me and then one day I came she's you know Stanford under, undergrad Stanford med doing her residency at Harbor UCLA Mexicana she was probably no she was about 28 or 29 so she was a few years older than I was and she clearly knew what she was asking me and I had no direction you know being the oldest of eight it was already a big deal that I had already gone to undergrad never had I imagined that I would I didn't even know what graduate school was to be completely honest, right? And so I showed up one day and on my desk, there were applications for graduate school. And I don't even know, I don't even know that I can seriously say what a therapist was when I applied for the marriage and family therapist program. (laughs) And because I was working full time at the time, I knew that I needed a school that was more flexible. So my first choice would have probably been UCLA. uh, But I ended up doing uh, Loyola Marymount for the uh, master's in art therapy and then USC. And I got into both and it was incredible. I was, Loyola Marymount was the first school that rejected me as an undergrad. So to get a yes now I was like, yes! I'm that kid. yes! Yes, yes. And I remember when you, uh, USC called me to invite me to their program, I called my parents and I was like, well, now I'm in both, what do I do? And it was so funny because I don't remember who told me. But I remember the words. Miha you're going to USC. That's the American dream. I was like, okay. I didn't even think about it. But for them, clearly, USC and UCLA, like, that was their, you know, that's what you come to the U.S. for. And I did it. Had no idea how much it cost. Had no idea that it even cost to go to school because my undergrad was, I was on scholarship the whole four years. And so, yeah, It was (laughs) a big (laughs) learning curve for me. I did the program. I don't regret it. I worked full time. And so you learn everything. And there are specialties you can get into. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And my first job was with uh, Drug Corps and Prop 36. So both of these programs specialize in treating men who have and women but it was predominantly men who are in and out of jail and the judge is like okay I keep putting you in jail for the same thing why don't I just send you to a program and so that's what I did so for the majority of my internship I did uh, my 2300 hours in drug court and prop 36 then I did so that's working with men who are in and out of jail so doing a lot of the rehabilitation stuff and I just figured like I guess this is just what I'm going to do and then life happens right and you get in relationships and these relationships teach you stuff and then you need healing from it and that's really what started guiding me towards this and then i after that what did i do i always i worked with homeless population so what was the relationship that
0: happened oh <laughs> because we're going yes we're going into that
1: you know jackie it ah, yeah that's always been i when i do my workshops when i do my you know trainings I'm always very transparent about it because I'm I have control of who hears it, right? Whenever I do more of this podcast stuff that everybody has access to, I get a little more nervous cuz I do tend to be pretty private about my life. But so there was a long-term relationship that I was in and it it was it was difficult. There was some infidelity and I kept the relationship going for 6 years way too long and that's really when I first started getting exposed to therapy. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm in this program. Let's try therapy. I uh, did it individually, did it together, and nothing worked. And even then, I didn't know that this is what I was going to get into. I was still working. And then through that, pro- so then that that relationship ended. And then I was maybe single for, I don't know, months. <laughs> After being with someone for you know about 12 years of my life, and I got into this other relationship while I was still kind of trying to figure out what was going to happen with the other relationship and I fell head over heels for this man. Like, I will, can honestly say that I fell in love, right? So, it, it was just so different. You know, the first one I'd met when I was 18, we went to prom together. He was my first and only everything. And so then I meet this other man who's just so fun, so different than I from what I knew. And that's really I think the catalyst of where I started getting into this relationship stuff so he and I break up and I was kind of like I'm gonna go live life and I just started traveling like I lived well actually after the long relationship I lived in Italy for uh, five and a half months and then I just uprooted out there I took ceramic classes out there I took cooking classes I just really enjoyed my time out there and then once I was going to come back I'm like what do I do with all this pottery (laughs) (laughs) so I did bring back two things everything else I gave away but I had an apartment out there like that was my life and then I came back and then I started looking for for work again which wasn't hard how long
0: were you out there
1: for five and a half months yeah, yeah. And I came back, and it was funny because I came back to apply for an agency, but I really wanted to be a baker. Like, I wanted to learn how to decorate cakes and bake cookies. So I was interviewing for agencies to be a clinical, like, a clinician, and then I had gone to Top Value, which was this bakery around my house. And the man was like, why would you come and work here? He's like, I'm going to have to invest to train you in uniform. I was like, no, no, I really want it. And he's just looking at me like, N- you're crazy, right? So... I had, in the process I was interviewing, so the agency that I was interviewing for, I think they thought I was waiting for another, like, job to line up for me. So they offered me more than what they initially had offered. And I was just waiting on this bakery.
0: Oh my gosh, do you hear how many manifestations you have so far? Wow. You know,
1: here I am waiting for this bakery to hire me. And they think that you they- have another company after you. So
0: they're like, let's give her more money.
1: So oh, I wow. went back to that company and... And uh, then, and, you know, after that other relationship, and that's really what started my whole working with relationships.
0: So up to this point, where is it that this story comes up? So you write a short story that ends up getting published, <laughs> and it's a beautiful story. It's one of the most beautiful short stories that I've heard. It's so well written, so, so concise to the point, and you don't lose any of the romance in there. You don't lose any of the of the tone. You don't lose any of the rhythm. It's just it's, it's this perfect little romantic cookie of baseball.
1: Yes, from her own
0: bakery.
1: <laughs> um, love, lust, where, where and baseball. Happen? Yes. So my sister has a friend who's publishing this book on short stories, and she tells us, "Oh, you guys should apply for it." I was like, "No way!" And then one day, I'm not kidding, I. Sir, i got a bottle of wine got on my laptop and just wrote the story of these three men you know so i started at angel stadium and had really good seats at the time and angel stadium's just a beautiful stadium they used to have vegetarian options <laughs> which dodger stadium at the time didn't it was just a great experience right then that ends and i started dating this other guy was just total no disrespect hood You know, like, grew up in the hood, like, would walk to Dodger Stadium, and we had, like, nosebleed seats, and I'm like, what am I doing here? (laughs) You know? But my family's all Dodger fans. Well, my dad never was, but, like, my cousins and everybody. And so I'm just kind of like, all right, I can get with this. And then I remember we went to, like, I think it was Alhambra, where there's, like, a strip of bars that people go to after Dodger Stadium, and there's, like, this cigar bar. Total different environment for me, right? But I was really into this guy. Then after him then that's when that boyfriend comes into my life and man i was so in love when i was writing this this story (laughs) you know like in my mind at the time i'm gonna like get this book published this was five years ago though right i'm like having some wine i'm so in love with this man we just had come back from a dodger game and it was the first time i ever sat on the field to watch the fireworks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking at him so in love. You know. And so when I'm typing the story up, I'm going to send him a book and I'm going to sign it. And it's just, yeah, the letter came, the book came five years later. <laughs> <That's so fun. laughs> the man is nowhere in my life. And the funniest thing is that we actually went to a reader with the man who put the book to, uh, to a reading with the man who put the book together. And the man that I am going to marry came with me. But we didn't say anything. And actually, he didn't know where we were going until we were in the car. Because I was so embarrassed. I'm like, how do you tell your person that you wrote a story about not one, not two, but three men who you've either loved or lusted over, right? And so as we were driving over to Newport, I was like, by the way... (laughs)
0: Perfect timing, <laughs> impeccable timing. There's nowhere he can go. <laughs> nowhere he can
1: go. Yeah. So we get there and he's just kind of laughing, but that's just he's just an amazing man. And so everybody thinks he's the man that I fell in oh, love with no. at the <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I does he like the
0: Dodgers? Yes. Oh, oh he's a huge oh, okay. Dodger if fan. It would have been terrible. He's like what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the funny thing is that when we went to our first game and I had already known that the book had come out and I just hadn't told them yet we had gone to a game and i said hey why don't we go sit down at the on the field he's like nah i don't really want to do that and here i am like i want to recreate this memory i want to recreate this memory <laughs> but he, he he was like no we're okay here and i was like okay so i shared the story when we were out there <laughs> they're like don't ever <laughs> not take an invitation from her again <laughs> Yes, yes. So he's not any of the three men in that book. And I'm glad because I needed those three men to be where I am with him now. Absolutely.
0: So what I really liked about it was um, the way that you connect or the way that you attach the symbol, the symbolism of like the love, the lust and the growth. Within yeah. the experience of what baseball is. I don't know anything about baseball. I, I go to baseball for the beer. And <laughs> I, I can care less what color I'm wearing or they're wearing or who's doing what. But the way that you attach something that I do understand, which yeah. is growth within a relationship, yeah. which is um, vulnerability. Yes. And you attach that to something that's so masculine.
1: Yes. I love that.
0: Thank I you. love that. So. Yes. Thank you for sharing that story with me. <laughs> I'm going to share it with the person I'm dating. Thank you. Like, sit down. I'm going to read a little bedtime story to you. So that makes me think that this whole thing that you had for, like, the baking was just this, like, creative flow that was dying to get out. It's like, you went, you spent five months in Italy, right? Yes. You did all this creativity. You did, and healing. Yes. Right? So then you do this story that seems like it was also a part of your healing at that moment. And then fast forward five years later, serves a part of your healing looking back on what you went through, right? I think that's beautiful. And so I'm sitting here looking at this thread of creative flow. What do you do now after this story? Do you still write?
1: Yes, I hope. I don't know. And it's funny because I was talking to Miguel about it the other day, and I, I said, you know, I think... Before meeting him, there's this idea that I, and the book was going to be called Love, Lust, um, and something. I didn't know what I was going to call it. But it was just kind of chronologically, like, how all these men impacted my life and how much growth I've had through them, right? But now that I've met him, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I want you to know about some of this stuff. <laughs> uh, and, again, it's, it's just my own inhibitions of, like, just protecting myself and now him. Right, but before there wasn't a hymn, so I was okay with it. And whoever I met was gonna come after this book, and so they would have already known, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I do love to write. I, When I was in elementary, I used to always win like the creative writing things, uh, little contests I won. Like it was great. I don't know.
0: So now I think that this Mujer series kind of ties in some of that creativity. The Mujer series with uh, Amigas for My Soul, right? It's not just a workshop, girl. It is not just a workshop. And I, I walked up in there expecting to sit and really just, like, listen to someone speak about something that I felt like I could learn more about. And then it was a win-win. I'm learning about something, and I get to experience this through this woman who I'm actually very interested in seeing how she works. But after that first, that first meeting or that first session, I was so blown away because I think that there's, there's teachers – And then there's teachers. (laughs) And I think that you're a teacher. And I think that there's something so special about the way that you connect to people. Um, I don't know how much you know about ABA. I'm pretty sure you know Mm -hmm. enough. You'd be amazing because you do it so naturally. Like I, I think that you pick up such subtle cues and subtle changes. And I also feel like you're really intuitive with energy and what people are feeling I think you even see when a thought crosses somebody's mind, and I you do. see it, and you're just like, "Hmm, you, what was it? What happened? You, you made something." I'm just like, "Girl, you're so quick." And I think that that added so much to the experience of feeling like you're seen and you're heard. And it, it it's not the same as just showing up to a workshop. So if I could offer any type of feedback, I would say, "Don't call it a workshop. <laughs> <Call> <laughs> Thank you. A, 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 a mini retreat." An in-city retreat, because it really, it's not, I think that it's so much more than that. I think that the energy that you bring in, and then you also bring in this presence of like, we're not here to bullshit. You know, you're here and I'm going to push you. And you don't apologize for that. I think you're Mm -hmm. really nice about it, but I I, I love that you don't apologize. You keep moving forward and it, it builds this strength throughout those four sessions. It's like the women in the beginning compared to the women at the end. It's ridiculous. That's four sessions. What is that? Eight hours?
1: It's eight hours. How is that even possible?
0: You know, I I, I loved it. I loved it. And I would like to know about how you even started that doing that with uh, Roxy.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Mujer series is incredible. So I've been doing it for five years now. And I and it is it's all based on my experience. And Of course, I read a lot. I go to my own professional development training. So it's absolutely everything I do speak on is backed up because I don't want to just tell you, oh, this is my life. I want you to have substance to it. Mm -hmm. And so it started when I was a sister circle leader with Amigas for My Soul. And then from there, they're like, well, you're a therapist. Can you do a workshop for us? I was like, well, I have the curriculum because I've always taught and facilitated groups, and I love that. I created the curriculum. They came up with the name, which is Mujer, Motivating, Unique, Joyful, and Rich Relationships. And we just started it. And it was at a high school in Huntington Park, the very first one. And I remember after the last session, the fourth week, I had uh, someone who is now a dear, dear friend of mine come up to me, and she said, I wanna be like you, I wanna do what you do. And I was like, what do I do? I really, I was just up here. Uh, but the amount of impact and growth that these women had, I had no idea. And I have learned that it is not me. I am solely a vessel. And so a lot of times, so a lot of times when I'm up there, I can feel like God like putting stuff in my head and coming in, out of my mouth. Cause I'm like, oh, there you are. You know, because it's not me. First of all, I'm not that funny. But when I'm up I think there, you're hilarious. when I'm up there, yes, I am. I'm usually a lot more reserved. My mom's like, oh, Esther, para hacerla reír, buena suerte. And it's so true. It's just a
0: different sense of humor. I think your sense of humor changes. I can see that. Yeah. I
1: can see that. Yeah, and so it's uh, it's like this switch goes on. And it's different. It's so different. I love to be in front of people. I love to present. I like, I love to give. And that's what I feel like I do when I'm in front of people. I, I love to give. I will tell you, though, as I've been growing as the, the Muhead series has happened, I've, you know, I've gone through a death of a person who taught me so much romantically and just as a person. I've gone through... Uh, several like you know types of relationship situationship friends with benefits like through that whole thing you know and one of my biggest things that I've learned through there has been that whole concept of you know like that walk of shame or like you know going out with one guy on Saturday and one on you know Friday and one on Sunday or like you you know doing whatever men do that's okay women can do the same thing right it's a walk of experience there's no shame in owning who you are right? If I chose to do whatever, that was my decision. The time that I chose to go home, it was my decision. And so it's like that whole idea that it's a walk of experience. There's no shame in taking responsibility in whatever you want to experience. Oh, I
0: love that. A walk of experience. Yes. It's like you're walking away with experience and a deeper insight on yourself, not shame. No. You choose that.
1: Absolutely. You choose that. Yeah. Absolutely. I that. If I want to walk, you know, to my car in the same outfit that I wore the night before, that's my choice. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I don't have to. But I think we've, we're so stigmatized mm-hmm. by each other as women And I
0: think that was the biggest thing. I thought that I was going to come in and learn about strictly what it said. It was just like communication and relationships, right? So learn how to be or develop better communication skills so you develop better and stronger relationships. This is the idea I had going in. What I walked away with was something completely different. And it was was a lot of things that I think that I had known and I had worked through, and I'm Mm -hmm. air quoting here, Mm -hmm. and sitting there and realizing that there was a perspective uh, switch or a shift that happened during those four sessions that taught me a different piece from each thing that I thought I had worked through, from each stage that I thought I had healed through, and it took me back. And I wasn't expecting to cry. I wasn't expecting to have things come up for me that were so personal, and I didn't expect to feel so open to spit that out to everybody. So when you say that, it makes so much sense as to what the purpose really is. is to redefine, destigmatize, right, yeah. and, and empower you.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and through every session, I've experienced something. You know, I got my license, uh, my clinical license, as I did one of the head series as well. I fa- and so this is something that not a lot of people speak on either, is I failed the first part of the exam three times. Not failed. I didn't pass. Uh, I took it three times. I didn't pass twice. That's A huge no-no like USC I think has like a 98% passing rate the first time and here I was I had to renew my number because I was off living life (laughs) and so it took me time to pass this exam because I was thinking of whenever I would take the exam I the first time I will tell you I took it right after the breakup with that boyfriend And I even went to the mall and I brought a new skirt, a new blouse, some heels, some wedges. Oh, I was super cute in this cold ass room where they like (laughs) fingerprinted you. You're sitting in front of this computer by yourself. I didn't know what to expect. And I was going in there to prove to him that I can do this. God was like, nope, not your turn. And I didn't pass. And I did, And they tell you by money you don't pass. I didn't pass by, I don't remember if it was three or four. Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't like I didn't know how. I just, God, it wasn't my time. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: How do you feel that, that those experiences shaped each one of those series? Do you feel like each one of those series encompassed something different because of what you were Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. How would you put
0: those if you had to, if you had to title each mujer series? The last five years, based oh. on what you were growing
1: through, what would they be? Wow. I, I, the first one definitely, she's no idea what she's doing. <laughs> 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 you know, I knew clinically what I was doing. And so I had worksheets, I had notes. But once I was there and these women's energy was there and there was so much vulnerability, I remember my mom and my abuelita went to, that, to all four sessions. And I saw my mom doing the activities too, and I'm just like, oh shit, like I'm doing something. So it would definitely be like, she's, I don't know, like she's doing it, you know? Um, the, I know the second and the third, it was during the testing on my exams. And that was, I it would definitely say like the trial and error, you know, like definitely just trial and error for, you know, and that's when I started going to the Santissimo at church every Wednesday because I was giving a workshop for another program, and the church was there. So I just would go every Wednesday for an hour and just sit there. And my sitting there for an hour was like, please help me pass my test. Please help me pass my test. You know, and years passed since then, I still, now I go every Friday because now I just, thank you so much for allowing me to pass that exam. Because of that, I'm able to do every single thing that I've done since then. You know, uh, I would say that the ultimate growth happened in between the last one and this one just, I think is, I found the light, you know? And it wasn't like I found the light because of a relationship status or anything, but it was because I, I grew, I accepted, I surrendered. And I, that's where the light came from.
0: And when you started this, what was, what was it that you wanted to give to these women when you started?
1: Like, I, to be honest, I don't know. What I wanted to do was be cool with, you know, the organization, Amigas for My Soul. Like, I just wanted to give them something that they thought the women needed. So I wanted to give them what they knew the women needed, if that makes sense. How about now? Oh, God, now I want them to believe in themselves. That is all. And that everything that happens, we allow. If that's the only message that women take away, is that we are not victims. Everything that happens to us, we allow and that we have control
0: over that. Hello everybody. I'm going to take this break to talk about Linda Sabori, a licensed esthetician and creator of Infused Skincare. Infused Skincare is self-love. Self-love comes in many forms. Skincare should be one of them. Taking care of your body should be a divine ritual. Aging gracefully should be the ultimate goal. As an esthetician, her duty has been to put her knowledge to work and create a skincare line with integrity and the most beneficial ingredients Mother Earth has provided for us. It is her passion to create clean and luxurious products for your skin. Simplicity and results, driven ingredients without the toxins, are her priorities. If you haven't already checked out Infuse Skincare, I highly recommend that you head on over to her Instagram page and it's Skincare with an X. X-I-N-C-A-R-E. Infuse, I-N-F-U-S-E, Skincare with an X. Don't forget it, everyone. And just for everyone here listening, make sure that you drop the code SECURE, all caps, SECURE with an X, don't forget to support small business owners like Linda and her dream to expand and fuse skincare. Thank you. And now we're back to our normal show. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, support small business owners because
1: they support us. What
0: is your plan moving forward?
1: My plan moving forward is I want to do these on my own. Amigas for My Soul has was my launching pad. And I've held onto that launching pad. Not sure why. Uh, I'm fear, embarrassed, used to everybody doing, somebody having a team do everything for me. And I, I literally just, I the women who volunteer for me, that's for myself, are incredible. I show up, and I really, if I if I chose to, all I would have to do is show up, run the workshop, and leave. I help set up tables and do everything because that's who I am. So I do. I want to do this on my own. I want to continue to do this. I will tell you that there was a time between the third and fourth year that I got resentful when I would do the Muhead series because I would get messages from women like, oh, my gosh, because of, you know, you or because of this that i experienced in the session i'm getting married or i let go of a toxic relationship or we decided to have a baby or like just all these incredible milestones for women were happening and so much of me was not and i i was like god why are you giving me this amazing gift to be able to provide this for women and i can't even do it for myself and there was a time when i contemplated not doing it anymore but i knew that that wasn't the moment yet so I ha- even working through that and accepting to do another mujer, not this one, the one that I did before this one, accepting to do it despite my inner struggles was huge. And through every single one of them, I am able to learn and grow through them.
0: That's such an incredible lesson to have. Yeah. And such a, a powerful conversation to have, right? Why do you give me the, the, the power to heal and create for others but not me? Yeah. And now?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Now I 100% believe. You know, I, I, I I gave an example of, you know, I remember somebody, my office has, as you can see, big windows. And when it's daylight, it's so bright in here. And I remember a patient came in and, you know, how are you doing? And she's like, oh. You know, just kind of, like, brushed it off. And then as soon as she walked into my office, she's like, oh, it's so bright in here. And I was a little offended. Like, I love my brightness. (laughs) And within the first five minutes is, you know, what brings you here? My son was killed in an accident, you know, a few weeks ago. And my whole heart sank. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I understand why it's so bright. But I still didn't get it. (laughs) And, you know, started working with her. And so when I experienced the death of someone who was pretty significant in my life, I knew exactly how she felt. Like I could not wait for the sun to come down so that I can go to sleep because sleeping is the only time when we don't think. And this is why depressed people sleep because that's the only time that your mind isn't running. And that's your escape. And it has brought me so much more compassion for everybody that I work with. So we were going back to talking about specialties. I worked at the Grief and Loss Center for a year and a half. I facilitated groups for people whose spouses had, you know, passed or children or parents. And I was doing that out of textbook knowledge. Now I, I lived it, I experienced it. Ironically, not ironically enough, again, the way God works, there was a shift in our house, the grief and loss center that I used to work for. And they called to see if I could cover for a group. And I said, of course, it was here in Boyle Heights. I said, yeah, of course I can do it. But again, like the universe wanted to give me an opportunity to run a group with everything I'd learned. And I, I was just talking the other day, when I had my last session, I had an 85-year-old woman um, whose husband had, had passed. I had a woman in her 40s who'd had um, a miscarriage, and then a girl in about her 30s whose father had passed, and then a woman in her 50s or 60s whose husband and mother had passed. And the first session, this woman is like, every time I think about my mom or my husband, I cry and I cry, and... And, you know, I, I was pretty harsh with her at, at, with something that I said. And she's like, okay, so should I just not talk about them anymore? I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. You remember them, but you remember the happy moments. You remember everything that they left you with, not what you think they took from you. And she, I could tell, you know, this strong, like, Mexicana, like, she was not going to hear my BS. So fast forward to the end of the group last week. She said, thank you. I disliked you so much the first session. She said, I can now speak about my husband and my mom and not cry. Yeah. And the 85-year-old woman said, I have never, ever spoken up for myself. I never ask questions. I never participate until you came. And I'm, again, right, it's like there's no way that that this is me. It's God working through me. Yeah, And I, if I hadn't experienced what I did, I wouldn't have that compassion. I would have only had the textbook knowledge of it.
0: I'm just so blown away with, like, the way that things have aligned for you, right? I mean, just the way that things present themselves to you. And I'm putting it that way, and I don't want to take away from all the hard work that you've done mm-hmm. and everything you've been through, but wow, right? To get you mm-hmm. to this place, to get you to, to align with what your purpose is. And it's, it's clear that you're multifaceted. That's definitely clear. So with all of this, right, for your own workshop, what is the vision for that?
1: As I'm entering this new phase in my life um, with my partner, you know, one of the, one of my really close friends said, so, you know, what's different with this guy? And my response was me. And she just looked at me and I said, yeah, I said, I finally met the person or I'm in the Time and the space and the whatever it is, where it just everything aligned where I'm open to accept love and honesty and be able to reciprocate that. Mm-hmm. I know that in, for so many years, I was open into receiving it, but I was not reciprocating anything. And that would be my message like, reciprocate, the universe will reciprocate your effort. And that would be my vision to be able to provide that for everybody right yeah. i've had i've had an engagement ring i've had that you know that promise i've had that and i remember seeing, thinking i never want another engagement ring diamonds are stupid i and i never wanted that again and this man that's all that he wants right and so i really had to like humble myself and say because of a previous experience do i take away the opportunity from this man who is so pure in in his heart and his soul and in his experience you know and so we we've talked about that you know and it still makes me a little uncomfortable because I know for me in my in my head you know my those little like you know memories come back where like I've had a diamond and the promise didn't fulfill itself right so it's re-shifting that mindset that not everyone is the same uh, but I did tell him, I'm like, well, this is the size that I had, this is the shape that I had, so that you know Don't I'm not to that. get. <laughs> <laughs> and I did say, and you can't go below what I had. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> right? Because you, I'm nowhere, I'm so much more than I was. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you have to yeah, do it Right. <laughs> right but that's I mean and it seems like such a selfish and superficial example however it meant so much for me as a 24 year old right Mm -hmm. to have that diamond and have that whatever came with it Mm -hmm. and then you know in my 30s to say hell no I don't want that again but I have to be able to give myself that opportunity again have to be you know the flower didn't die you know it just kept blossoming in different ways and now I'm able to to see that.
0: So, when you're saying that, I feel like this series, the Mujer series, has been something for healing, for working through and, and cutting out, right, the toxicity, the old chains, the old patterns. And with it, you were healing. Yes. Through that same thing. Absolutely. And then from here, moving forward, it's about not being afraid to put all of that energy that you just got back out there and invest it into somebody else. Yes. I love that. I love that. What are you
1: going to call it? Actually, I did have uh, some, I don't, God, I wish I had that journal with me. Um, I think I said looking from the inside out. It was going to be something like that. Because the way that we look outside and we present ourselves, whether we like it or not, and whether we think it's just or not, says a lot about who you are. You don't need fancy clothes. You don't need makeup. You don't need it all. If you have it, it's beautiful, but you don't need it. To really exert that beautiful, the beautiful soul that you have, and we all have it. That's why they say beauty is within, you know, the beholder. And it's just that's what it would be like, inside out, like really bringing that beauty out. Be compassionate with yourself, because trust me, there have been times where. And sorry, mom and dad, not like they don't know this already, where really I would wake up, go run, have a protein shake, go work, come back, go run, have a protein shake, and fall asleep drinking vodka because I was just so sad. And that was my reality for three to four months. You know, I look back at some pictures where I'm like super flaquita, and sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I looked like that. But then. But then I remember the look in those eyes, you know, I remember just what it felt like to look like that. And it wasn't by choice, you know, and I think it's important that just because we're out there being leaders in air quotes, you know, or being great facilitators or doing segments or whatever it is, there is a truth that happened that was not pretty, you know. And so being able to accept that when my nephew hugged me over Christmas, And he's like, Nina, are you okay? And I said, I am, Corazón. And he's like, you don't seem happy. And I wasn't. I was grieving, right? And just recently, maybe like two or three months ago, he's like, I love you, Nina. I'm glad you're happy again. Kids can see that. Kids see that. we We carry it in our eyes and, you know, in our energy. So being able to accept our truth. That you slept with a thousand men. Fine. That doesn't define you. It was a lack of judgment or a very happy time for you. <laughs> it's how you define it to be, not anybody else. Ah, uh, the
0: first one when you had us look into the mirrors. Yes. Right? Something so simple. But something that we don't spend enough time doing. I can't tell you how much time I spend looking in the mirror. Yes. It's shower or washing my face or brushing my teeth or doing my makeup or whatever, right? Or vanity. Mm -hmm. But looking into my eyes in that space was completely different. And I had to write it down. I had to write down what I felt and I remember thinking, I look tired and I look sad. What am I tired about? And what, what am I sad about? And both of those ended up being sad because i was i was still uh, there were things coming up for me and when i sat there i was like wow that really took a toll on you and you're sad because of that you have to let it go you haven't let it go yet and then the tired what are you tired from from trying to make that not what it is like let it be what it is and i think that was such a powerful way to start with just a mirror and yourself exercises that you had
1: us do. How did you pick them? Ooh, good question. It it really is a, com- a, a you know, a combination of everything that I've done individually. And most of them, no, all of them with the exception of the I am me, I am strong, I am beautiful, and I deserve to be respected. Aside from that, every single activity came from I created when I used to work with these men in the rehabilitation programs so because for them that whole talking thing didn't work so I needed to have them do art or I needed to have them do something where they felt they were being therapized which is what they used to say you know and I learned by trial and error I love wearing dresses and heels that's my thing and I I used to dress like that then and I remember I had these are all men in and out of jail strong men who like they don't need this therapy thing. I remember, I'm going to have a meditate one day. I dimmed the lights. We were in a circle. And I was inside of the circle doing a guided meditation. I was walking. And you can hear my heels, whatever. I wasn't even thinking about it. So it was maybe 10 minutes. So we turned on the lights. And how do you guys feel? And nobody was saying anything. And I'm like, all right, did this work? Do we want to do it again? And finally, one of the guys raised his hand. And he's like, we can never do that again. And I was like, why? Because they were turned on. <laughs> the, sound of the heels. <laughs> I didn't know where to run. (laughs) Exactly. Right? So it's trial and error. That's what you do.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that the eyes piece, that's something that I'm just never going to forget. I'm doing that more often now. Just even in the rear-view mirror of your eyes. Yes. Life, you know, you catch a glimpse of your eyes. And and just, you know, you know what's in there. Yeah. You just tend to push it down. Yes. So thank you for that. That was... Thank you. That was... This series was like the tail end of something that I've been working on for a long time in myself. And when I came out of that, that series, a lot of things that were still lingering we're no longer lingering and following that series I am now in a relationship which is so crazy to me because starting that relationship I uh, starting that series I didn't see this (laughs) really this man right and then this man comes and and I see him and I see me and I feel myself open accepting and the breeze and the flow of the way that things are going so far is so absolutely unknown so when you say that women would come up to you and say thank you you can add me to that list so thank you (laughs) that was beautiful
1: thank you so much thank you jackie
0: Thank you so much for joining me on another episode and listening in on this beautiful conversation with Esther Rosales. I hope that you walk away with a piece of love for yourself, for your past, for your journey, and for your future. And in that future, please consider checking out Esther's upcoming workshop series, We Don't Know When, We Don't Know Where Yet but I can assure you that it will be incredible and you will walk away with your soul fed and nourished and in the future also stay on the lookout for more short stories like this one. I love you girl. You're incredible. Thank you so much for sharing space with us on this beautiful evening and for everybody else. I hope that with this, I was able to leave a little more secure in your space and leave a lot less silence in your hearts. Until next time, babes. Who's (laughs) this girl? Then when you reached out to me, I was like, I know you. (laughs) I have to say who you are, but I remember you. That was just like for sure.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I know that as a vessel but I will never accept it as me. Like, and I, I, you know, I don't know, and I tell people, I I one day want to see what people see in me, you know? Uh, Because I feel like I'm constantly working, not like this, but just constantly giving, that I want to be in a space where I'm just good with receiving.
0: Seeing yourself
1: and seeing yourself in the it's funny, my, the patient that I just had right now, she was talking about how, I mean, like, her house is all a mess. Like, several pieces, she lives with her parents and she has a baby. So, she, there's all these like, new pieces in her home. And then at work, they're like, the county's coming in and taking over some of the contracts. So, you've got decision and up in the air. And then she's not sure where she's, you know, her status with her and kids with dad. And she's like, but I guess that's normal. There comes a time in your life where everything is so steady and calm. And as I was saying that, I'm like, fuck, that's where I am. <laughs> you were <laughs> like, saying that, I was like, that's where I Yes, yes. I was like, no, but we're so conditioned to be in this chaos. The waves. Yeah. You know that it's like, sometimes I do feel like, am I like bringing shit up with my boyfriend just so that I can have something? Just so you can you know? go on vacation? Yeah. <laughs> so you can go on a trip? <laughs> <laughs> you know and so but it's yeah, no, there is a cost.